0: The impact of the resurrection, um, part one, how to live a godly life. And why are we looking at this? Because as Christians, we're people who follow Jesus, who is resurrected, and he has given us a taste of his new life that he enjoys now, and that we live now and will live in its fullness later. So in chapter 6 of Romans, for example, verses 4 to 10, it says this. Romans 6, verse 4. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, and you'll see the word glory is in our passage today, we too may live a new life, which you could say is the godly life. For if we have been united with him like this, through baptism he's talking about, into a death like his, we certainly also will be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified. The old self is gone. In Second Peter, talks about the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That's gone. It was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We're going to live differently. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, we're talking about the resurrection here, since he was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has any mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. The life he lives, he lives to God. That's a godly life, right? And that's what we're called to in this passage in 2 Peter. We're called to a godly life. He's given us everything we need for a godly life. And that's the focus of what we're going to be talking about today. Now in 2 Peter, just a bit of context of the, uh, the letter, the epistle, 2 Peter. The context is that Peter is coming near the end of his life. And he wants to remind people of some very significant things. He says in verse uh, 13 of chapter 1, I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will, will soon put it aside, as the Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to, to me. So it seems that Jesus had, there was some kind of prophecy or a, a vision that he had that he knew that he was his end was near, and so he wanted to refresh their memory about some important things. So Second Peter might encapsulate everything that Peter thought was most important for Christians to remember whilst still on this earth, and the context of the letter is but there are some people saying to Christians, you know about Jesus, you know this stuff about him coming back, he's not really coming back, and since he's not really coming back, we can just live how we like, because we've been given freedom in Christ, and so you can do what you like, because you have grace, there are false teachers coming in amongst the Christians here, in chapter 2 and verse 1, in Second Peter, Peter says there will be false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They'll be secretly introducing destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved conduct. So these are people who claim to be Christians but have depraved conduct, will bring the way of truth into disrepute in their greed. So we see their motivation is greed. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with fabricated stories, as opposed to the true stories that Peter tells. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them. Their destruction has not been sleeping. Um, not only would there be false teachers, but there will also be scoffers. In chapter 3 of Second Peter, in verse 3 and 4, Peter writes this, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come. And in fact, these, for him, those are the last days he's talking about is when he was around scoffing and following their own evil desires again these are people who are saying yeah we're christians but we can live how we like they will say where is this coming he promised you know like jesus said he's coming back it was told but he doesn't look like he's coming ever since our ancestors died everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation so they're saying that jesus isn't coming don't worry about it live how you like your new life is a life of freedom in christ therefore you can kind of live how you like um isn't that nice and so what we've got here is we've got false teachers we've got scoffers and the relevance of all this for us is that the, our motivation for living the life we live is really important and the the fact that uh, we will that we have a new life and that that new life is not only ours now but forever and that we will be held uh, hold to account for the way we live is very significant because we're not called to a good life we're called to a godly life chapter 3 verses 11 and 12, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming. So the fact of the coming of Christ means we live in a different way and indeed we're moving towards greater maturity. In fact you could say maturity is the doorway to eternity because in Second Peter he talks about making every effort to add to your faith to do to become more Christ-like in in increasing measure so the Christian life is (laughs) is more than just freedom to do what you want which it never was it is also more than just being busy as a Christian it's more than that it's about living a life after the Christ it's about living a godly life about increasing our Christ likeness and we're able to do this to live this new life this resurrection life by the manifestation of the divine power into your life and mine and that's a thought god's desire is that you enjoy experience and manifest the divine power of christ his power of his resurrection and his new life into your life and mine and into this community life that we have here together that the manifestation of the divine power is ours personally and ours collectively through God's grace because it comes through his glory and goodness not our own and that's true freedom but that's true the truly exciting part of the Christian life this power is not ours it's God's but it's God's power working in us through us our part is to cooperate with that willingly and with effort as we'll talk about later in uh, as we look through this so how to live a godly life let me go through verse three now bit by bit let's see what we learn and i have a few questions so first of all peter says his divine power has given us everything we need so question for everybody you can unmute yourself or put something in the chat box when you think of divine power what comes to mind
1: so words that come to mind is i think about divine power it's, it's the power that created the universe mm. it's the power that raised jesus from the dead so it is like limitless and supernatural
0: yeah limitless supernatural uh dawn says or lay at the stars right that divine power that was able to create sustain and all that some the things that are inexplicable okay asagi okay yeah yeah but the things that we'll in. never fully understand and um. So yeah, I, I, in agreement with, with what everybody else has already said, uh, the thing that immediately springs to mind is like parting of the sea. You know, um, I, I just
1: think that um, seeing something so phenomenal
0: um, that is not coincidence, it's not, you know, there are some stunning things that we can see that are part of nature, but it's, it's those things that are beyond what we can imagine it's like a superpower you know that's what i think of thank you uh we got patricia or simon when you think of the oh no so you wrote that in thank you patricia sorry okay the the new life dawn physical or spiritual all right pen uh strength to endure when you feel like you can't go on so some power that's beyond supplying what you're what's beyond you to do yeah okay Garth Lissy, his grace. Okay, uh, thank you. We're going to talk more about that. Uh, anything else? What else when we think about the divine power?
1: And for me, the, the precision of God. The position? The precision. 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 Okay. Precise. <laughs> just in terms of the fact that, like um, Stefan said, the creation, just how perfectly everything is ordered with the sun and the stars and the um, the weather systems and <coughs> cannot be chance. It has to be a creator and a designer. Right.
0: right. The, the, the ability to be precise on a level beyond a human beyond ability. Comprehension. To be beyond comprehension. Beyond comprehension. Yeah. Beyond comprehension. Karen, uh, power above all powers, right? Above all other powers that exist. Thank you. Yeah, Desmond, divine power. All things are possible. Yeah, that's right. That's the Philippians verse, isn't it? All things are possible for him who believes, or, or from the Gospels as well. Uh Patricia, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. The birth of a baby, Stefan and Liesel. Yeah, okay. That's that magical. Amazing. Liesel. That was Liesel. Okay, not Stefan. Okay, right. Uh that that just almost miraculous sense of what's going on here. A new life. Super. Okay, we're gonna I'm gonna move on because we've got a few points here. But Uh, thank you for that Uh, the divine power his divine power in romans chapter 1 verse 4 it says this about jesus that who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of god in power jesus the son of god in power how by his resurrection from the dead jesus christ our lord so the spirit of holiness appointed the son of god in power by his resurrection from the dead so you see the power the power of God raised Jesus from the dead and that power is what's available to you and me today now how that manifests itself is another question and we won't have time to dig into all of that today but nonetheless what this what this verse is at least trying to remind us is that it's his divine power that is available that is personal that is accessible is what gives you and I everything we need that is a wonderful promise and what it's partly at least saying to us is to remember that in jesus in his risen life is present with you and me in person and in power so i think for some of us and it may be, it depend a bit personally here one person different from another but i think some of us take greater comfort perhaps from the presence of jesus with us in our lives like his his a companionship his compassion his uh, walking alongside with us through the tough times of life some of us perhaps more connect with the power of jesus in our lives I don't know where we all are with that but what i would like to suggest to us is that part of what this verse is teaching us and what the new testament shows us is that when we go through our challenges of life of which there are many jesus is present with us he's personally present with us and his power is with us and that is very significant if we're going to make it through this christian life and if we are going to uh going to see god work and and mature us peter talks later in chapter one about the time on the, on the mountain when they saw the power of jesus manifested that's in verses 16 and 18 to 18 of chapter one it talks about being eyewitnesses of his majesty on the mountain he received honor and glory from god the father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory saying this is my son whom i love with him i'm well pleased we heard his voice that came from heaven when we were on the sacred mountain it's personal uh, the power came in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, didn't it? Jesus promised them in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter 2, this power does come down on the apostles and is made manifest to all the people, the crowd that were there. And when Peter preaches, he says in verse 32 of chapter 2 of Acts, God has raised this Jesus we're talking about to life, to a new life, to the life of glory and we are all witnesses of this, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. So the presence, the power, the life, it all comes together, he is with us. And what does that mean for you and me? It means that we have everything we need for a godly life, everything we need. Now, I think to me, this is the most challenging part of the verse for me. Do I really believe that Jesus is supplying me with and makes available to me everything I need? Because I'll be honest with you, there are many times in my day, my week, my life, when I don't feel like I have everything I need. I feel beyond my capacity to endure. I know, Penn, you said earlier, you know, this is the, that what you think of sometimes when you think of the divine power is, what did you say strength to endure when you feel like you can't go on and and you know we've all known that strength but sometimes you feel you just can't and you go through things like my mother's death recently or so we've gone all going through our challenges i'm sure for taiwo and io going through the COVID challenges you've had this year uh Stefan and Liesel grieving uh uh, Barry and and Kate grieving death of Barry's mom last year I mean as I and I don't know all of our circumstances but I what I do know is that all of us from time to time feel like I'm not sure I do have everything I need do I really have everything I need I think it's one of the biggest challenges David wrote Psalm 23 so famous right the Lord is my shepherd I lack nothing i lack nothing did david lack something well through his life he lacked a lot of things when he was being chased by saul when he, when his king was throwing a spear at him i mean you could say he lacked security safety uh he lacked uh, certainty about his future i mean there are things we lack so how do we deal with that philippians chapter 4 verse 12 and 13 uh paul says this Philippians 4 12 and 13. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I think that's the same kind of divine power that we're talking about here. I can do all this. I can be content. I can say I I have enough. I have all I need through him, through Christ, who gives me his strength, his power. It seems to be really about our connection with Jesus. In the same chapter of Philippians 4 verse 19, Paul then tells the Philippians, and by the way, Paul's in prison when he's writing this, so he must lack, he lacks his freedom, you could say, but he doesn't see that as a lack at this point. And in verse 19, he says to the Philippians, my God will meet all your needs, according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So what this means is that we can do all that God has called us to do. Maybe you and I can't do things we would like to do. Maybe we're not resourced for things that we would prefer, but we are resourced Um, We are uh, given enough strength and power for all the things that God calls us to do. The Christian life is hard at times. There's no question about that. But it never involves a demand to do what is not possible for you and I to do. So a question we won't answer now, but I'd like us to reflect on, is to think about this question and maybe pray about it the next uh, few days, is if you and I really believed that we had all that we needed, that we lacked nothing, if we really believed we had everything we needed, what difference would that make to the way we lived? What difference would it make? If we really believed that we had everything we need, as he says here, what difference would that make to the way we lived? So his presence and his power is enough for us. And then it means that we can live a godly life. Yes, Pen, as you've put in the chat, you'd be less grumpy. Uh, okay, so now I have to respond to that in a humble way. Um, I would make you less grumpy. That's it. That's the right response, I think. Okay, so that's what I would do. I would make you less grumpy. Um, I'd be the cause of less grumpiness. Uh, so... A godly life. Okay, so that's what it's about. Divine power giving us everything we need for what? For a godly life. That's what it's for. So let me ask you a question. Again, unmute yourself and put it in the chat box. What does a godly life look like? You know, when you think about a godly life, it's a phrase in the Bible, but what does it mean? We have everything we need for a godly life. What does that mean?
1: for myself is beneficial to look to everyone around me through god's eyes not my eyes not judgmental eyes just to wish the best for them and then to act upon what i see in scriptures or what i already put in my character just thinking um sometimes it's helpful to frame something in the what it is not and what the opposite is, and I think, okay, the opposite of a godly life would be a worldly life. Um, so it's to, at least to, to not have a life focused on the things of, of the world and this world, material things, to have a spiritual life rather than a materialistic life. Yeah. Focused life.
0: Okay. Thank you. And I think this is Chantel, is it? An abundance of forgiveness and empathy. If that is you, Chantel, if it's not, that's very true though. A godly life would be a life manifested, manifesting a lot of an abundance of forgiveness and empathy. I really like that. Good.
1: Link to the one above, I said, um, stop wanting more or something different.
0: Matthew 6.33, Joe, Lisa, and Scarlet. Better look that up, would not we? Oh, seek first the kingdom. Yes? Is that right? The Palmers being at peace, patient, still, being still through life's challenges. being Challenges, thank you. Being content in all circumstances, Liesl, thank you. Loving people, yeah. Masagi yoga, okay, yeah. Uh, in words and deeds yes okay not just in theory Hmm. yeah all right As more things come into the uh chat box let me just share i think i mean so many different ways we could look at this but i suppose a godly life looks like a christ-like life ultimately uh, because that's how we know what a godly life looks like because jesus has lived it for us and given us his example it's a life, as you say again, I get obedience to God's word. Who shows us that ideally, perfectly? Jesus. Who shows us how to love in, wo- in words and deeds? Jesus. It's loving others as ourselves, right? It's serving, not, uh, it's leading and helping others as a servant not coming, not to be served. It's being part of this community to serve rather than to be served. And it seems to me that there's a great uh, opportunity here we need to understand though what the opportunity is as opposed to the demand I would say so living a godly life is something we're called to and the rest of second Peter also talks more about that about adding to our goodness and everything we'll come on to that next time or maybe time after but I think the point here is about growth it's about the trajectory of life it's not about whether I am fully Christ-like now because frankly I'm not and none of us are fully Christ-like here though we have the potential for full Christ-likeness in many ways because we have the spirit of Christ but I think it's about the direction of travel isn't it it's not about where I am now because if I could compare myself to some people in in this church and see myself as lacking because some of you are are more godly in some areas than me and and we all are perhaps a bit more godly in some areas than the rest of us which is frankly why we need each other and why we need community and why that's so important that we're close and we love each other and we're, we we know each other deeply from the heart because only then do we see those those Christ-like qualities in each other that we don't have so much of and that we can learn from each other because we see it enfleshed we see a bit of Jesus enfleshed in one another and then we learn and grow together but as we do that we're not comparing ourselves with the person saying well okay I'm not good enough because I'm not as loving or as kind or evangelistic or as scripturally knowledgeable as this person no no no, that's not the point the point is can I grow in it it's about growing and so much of our growth comes through the struggles doesn't it the struggles of life Paul said this in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. Philippians 3 verse 10. I want to know Christ. And we can all say thumbs up. Excellent. I'm on board. I want to know Christ. And the next phrase, still fine. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Again, thumbs up. Excellent. I want to know Christ. I'm with you, Paul. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And then the next phrase and participation in his sufferings. And then we're like, I'm not so sure, Paul. Uh, Yes, I want to know him. Yes, I want to know the power of the resurrection. Participation in his sufferings. I might need to think about that a bit. Not so sure. And then he finishes becoming like him in his death. You know that passage where Jesus talks about it, it's only if a seed falls to the ground and dies that it can it can effectively germinate and grow again you know the seed has to die to be able to become all it's meant to be that's true for us and it's true progressively for different parts of our lives as we grow as Christians and go through life and Paul may be saying something rather uncomfortable but he's saying something that's true that if we're going to know Jesus Christ we need to know the power of his resurrection talked about the uh, the divine power here But we also need to know the, or have some experience of participating in his sufferings because that's partly at least how we become like him as we progress towards the ultimate Christ-likeness that is available to us in this life. So a godly life is yours and mine through a relationship with Jesus, living our lives as best we can, like Christ and growing to be more like Christ. And we're gonna talk more about that in another lesson another time. And then it says we do this through our knowledge of him. Through our knowledge of him. It's about knowing Jesus. It's not about necessarily holding on to a set of doctrines. Doctrines not unimportant, but that's not how we grow. We don't grow through holding on to a set of doctrines. It's not about church membership, though that's not a bad thing. It's not about attending services, though that's a good thing. But it's it's through our knowledge of him that we are able to allow this divine power to give us everything we need for a godly life it comes through a knowledge of him as uh he says later in the letter at the very end of second peter chapter 3 verse 18 he urges his readers he says but grow in the grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ grow in the knowledge and he talks about knowledge here in chapter chapter 1 and he talks about it uh, later on in the chapter as well grow in the knowledge one of the things for us to wrestle with maybe is what does it mean to grow in the knowledge of Jesus how do we get to know him better in John chapter 14 Jesus said uh in verse 16 i will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you I will not leave you as orphans I will come to you before long the world will not see me anymore but you will see me because I live you also will live he's talking here about the spirit the the spirit of Christ that will live in you and me this is part of how we get to know Jesus better and better We know that our responsibility is to know Christ and his glory. God's responsibility is to give us everything we need for life and godliness, the real resurrection, new life. This gift of knowing Jesus is ours because we have been, going back to this passage, called by his own glory and goodness. So his divine power is ours. That means we've got everything we need. For what? To live a godly life a christ-like life how through knowing christ and for a christian that means getting to know the spirit better and better and the spirit of christ better and better and more on that another time because why because we're being called how were we called by his glory and goodness called by christ romans eight twenty-eight to 30 Romans 8, 28 to 30. We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so growing in our godliness, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and those he predestined, he also called there's the word called again he called those he called he justified those he justified he also glorified the initiative for our ability to live a godly life is god's it's by grace and that inspires our gratitude for what Jesus has done for us and inspires us to live a godly life. How? Why? Why should we live a godly life to keep God off our backs, to make sure we don't go to hell, to I don't to please other people? No, we live a godly life. We strive to live an increasingly godly life because we're grateful. We're grateful that we've been called by His own glory and His own goodness. That's why we do what we do as Christians. That's why we turn up. That's why we call each other. That's why we love those who are lost. That's why we study the Bible with our friends. That's why we read scripture. That's why we pray for people. It's why we serve one another. It's why we give money to help people at times, whether they're poor outside the church or inside. Why do we do these kinds of things like Jesus? Why are we patient with other people and one another? Why do we forgive one another when um, we don't really deserve it? Why Why are we patient with one another far beyond human, normal, elements and standards of patience why do we do these things because we're being called by christ's own glory and goodness that kindness that grace that mercy motivates everything that we do nothing else nothing else only what jesus has done for us it's the only lifelong motivation it's the only way we're going to make it between now and when jesus comes back It's the only way we're going to keep growing to be more like jesus is to stay grateful for the grace. So what do we see in this passage? I think we see that a godly life is possible. You may say, well, you don't know me, Malcolm. I don't think I can live a godly life. Well, it doesn't matter what I think. In fact, it doesn't really matter what you think. <laughs> what matters is what God thinks. God thinks you can live a godly life. You can't do it on your own strength, but you can do it empowered by the Spirit. Empowered by Jesus, you can live a godly life. And a godly life essentially looks like becoming more and more like Jesus it's not attaining certain standards it's not being able to do certain things a godly life is one growing and becoming more and more like Jesus how do we develop that how do we fully inhabit this new life this resurrection life this godly life well the first thing I suggest for us all is to meditate and pray over these scriptures and thank you for the people putting them in the chat box there and I will send them around later but meditate on these scriptures Pray over these scriptures. Let them sink into your heart and your mind. And then the other part of it is perhaps to talk about it with our friends here, with one another. In our household or brother to brother, sister to sister, friend to friend. Let's talk about how we can live this godly life together. Now to wrap up, just before we take communion, I'm going to ask Sarah to pray for us in a minute before we take bread and wine. I just want to read up one more scripture from Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9 and 10 2 Timothy 1 9 and 10 it says this it says he has saved us and called us so this is the calling again he has saved us and called us to a holy life a synonym for a godly life saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything we have done but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Saviour, Christ Jesus, who has, and I just love this phrase, who has destroyed death. He has destroyed death and has brought what has he brought life new life a life a godly life a resurrection life he's destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light he's made it visible life and immortality has been brought into the light by the the example of jesus who destroyed death by his death and by the power of God raising him from the dead and he brought life and immortality to us and we take bread and wine as we do frequently we take this in order at least in part to remind us of the price that Jesus paid in destroying death his own death but also the promise of what this means which is that death no longer has any hold over you or me neither does sin and we have a new life we taste it now we taste this as it's like tasting the new life now and we're growing into it more and more fully as we through god's divine power trust that we have everything that we need for that godly life through our knowledge of him who's called us by his own glory and his own goodness i'd like to ask sarah to pray for us now okay Come to this table, not because you must, but because you may. Not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come, not because of any goodness on your own gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come, because you love the Lord a little and would like to love him more. Come, because he loved you and gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ, for we are his body. Thank you, God, for this opportunity to draw near to you to remember all that you have given to us and continue to provide for us. Thank you for being our refuge and our rock. Help us while we take this bread and wine to remember you. Amen.